Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, this is Netalina, your host for the Rise Up For You podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have another incredible podcast episode. I know I say this every week, but our guests are just amazing and they're out in the world making huge change and impacting people globally. And today we have another change maker, Amy K. Hutchins. She's a speaker, author, trainer, business strategist. She's a former executive of a billion dollar global consumer products company and award of the Vistage UK International Speaker of the Year. And she's a catalyst for producing sustainable solutions to a leader's most pressing challenges. And today she's going to talk with us about just that leadership qualities. If you are currently in a leadership position, we're going to talk about how to make your team feel great, how to look for positive behaviors and actions in your team, leaders that don't always have the answer and why that's okay. And if you're currently not in a leadership position and you're wanting to move up, this is a great episode for you. We're going to talk about how to set your boss up for success, even when you think they might not be displaying leadership qualities. Again, this is an incredible episode and I highly recommend it to everyone. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Hi, Amy Kay. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guest. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, first, thank you for having me. It's an honor. You're doing amazing work in the world, and I'm a little humbled to be a part of it. So thank you. I am at the end of the day, and that it doesn't matter what title you give me, I am a teacher. I am a lover of learning. I'm a lover of sharing um, intellectual curiosity, having those aha moments. So I started off as an elementary school teacher, and then I became a corporate trainer, and then I started my own training company, and I travel all over the world today, and I still consider myself um, in a servant leadership role of teaching. Okay. We're soulmates already. Just from that, like, <laughs> one minute, <laughs> we're soulmates. Okay, so let's dive into this just a little bit more. I have a similar background. So you got into teaching elementary, which is great. And then what from there kind of created that feeling to take that next step, I guess, into, you know, working in corporate and then leadership? Well, my background is in neurology and education, and that's kind of a convoluted way of saying that when I taught elementary school, I had students that were both learning disabled and gifted and talented. And those are probably politically incorrect labels today. But in the 80s, they were very ubiquitous. So Mm -hmm. I had classrooms full of children who could read Vaclav Havel's The Velvet Hangover when Czechoslovakia became the Czech Republic, but they couldn't add two plus two or vice versa. And so I was fascinated that this brain inside this one kid could be so dichotomous. And that sent me back to grad school to study cognitive behavioral science. And what I found out very quickly is that If you really meet people where they're at, whether it's a small child or somebody who's 35 or 55, and you turn on their own love of learning and you make them feel fantastic about themselves, 
their ability to expand their own capacity is enormous. And that was my sort of aha moment of the, if you can just let people feel fantastic about themselves and leverage the gifts that they have, they can do amazing things in the world. And so then I got into the how, and I've become the let's help people do that. Wow. Okay. We could go so many ways. (laughs) So (laughs) I I know you... um, you're an expert in a number of things, one of them being obviously leadership and, and working with leaders. Um, I always talk about this idea of it's not about you, um, whether you're a teacher in the classroom, running a corporation, um, leading in front, it doesn't matter. This kind of this concept of it's not about you is, I guess, the ideal thought that I have when it comes to leadership. And I find that so many people want this role of being in front or leading the way um, and kind of being at the top of their game without really understanding this concept of at the end of the day, the title is nothing. And it's really not about you. It's about the people that you're working with. What's the number one struggle I think that you find when you're kind of training these leaders or working with this concept of leadership in general? Oh, there's so many. So let's start with something that I've talked about now as a business strategist for a little over 20 years is the idea that leaders are not selling good feelings about themselves. People are selling, uh, really brilliant leaders are selling good feelings that the people have about themselves, those that are being led. So for instance, just to kind of break it down, if I were to walk into your office one morning and I were to say, oh, you know, Netta, I'm amazing. You'd be like, oh, Amy Kay, you're obnoxious. Get out of here. But if I were to walk into your office and say, oh, Netta, you are amazing. You'd be like, oh, have a cup of coffee. Stay a little longer. So When I make you feel good about it, when I help you come up with your own solutions, when I help you co-create the future and feel more a part of it, your commitment, your level of buy-in increases. And so many times leaders make decisions out of the, well, I'm amazing, I'm making this decision and you're just going to follow me. And it never works. Um, And so the most brilliant leaders spend a lot of time and energy focused on their followers and not themselves. Right. And, and the majority of us have it backwards. We take it from the sense, the point of view that we are the leader and therefore you follow whatever decision I make, whatever I do, opposed to kind of building that environment and that team of, you know, cooperation and humbleness and whatnot um, from the top down. Yeah. And I think a lot of times a really great question to ask is, are you making this decision from ego Or are you making this decision from compassion and empathy and joy and excitement? I mean, it's like, what's, what's sort of the thought and the feeling that's driving my decision-making process? I mean, you can look out in the world today and you can see a lot of leaders that are ineffective or scary because they come from a sense of ego. Whereas there's a lot of effective leaders that say, well, I'm doing this out of compassion. I'm doing this out of, um, a desire or a yearning to make the world a better place. Or it doesn't even have to be a 501c3. I mean, there are brilliant leaders in charge of product and service companies that are doing incredible jobs because they still believe in making the world a better place. In fact, I have a client in Colorado Springs that always says, you know, it's never about the enterprise content management. He's like, enterprise content management is just the business we run. We're, we're in the business of giving people jobs so they can put their kids through school so they can put food on the table. And I always think that's a really fresh perspective. Hmm. You know, I always find that, um, and I always say that leaders don't necessarily have a title and titles don't necessarily make you a leader. Um, and I've, in working in the past, I've noticed that sometimes, you know, a natural born leader will be given a title and then all of a sudden it will shift. 
and they will become something that, um, you know, originally they weren't, um, I guess, to live up to this name of being a leader or having a title. Do you see this often occurring? And why do you think that that is? I think that we have a human desire to belong. And I think that we also have a human desire to box people into where we think they belong. And so we've been caught up, especially in our first world culture of, if I can label you, then it's easier for me to respond to you. So if you have some type of C in your title, you know, you're part of that C-suite, whether it's a COO or a CEO or a CFO, a CSO, then it's like, oh, well, I'll automatically respect you because that's a hierarchical principle. I think the world is shifting. I think that a lot of people now look for behaviors and actions before they say that I will just automatically respect you because, you know, we are more anti-authority in the history of, of our country. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is important is to flip it on its ear. A lot of times, starting from a small age, a title is our identity. So you're the older brother or the older sister mm. um, or you're the younger brother or the younger sister. And so at a very young age, we start to label people and that forms identity. Oh, you're in high school versus middle school. Oh, you're in college. Oh, you're a senior versus a junior. Um, oh, you've been married for a year versus 56. Like we find all of these ways to compare ourselves, label and box people. And so it's not complex to understand that people do desire a label. Um, I once had a, um, a consulting client who told me, owner of the company, that he's like, oh, I don't believe in labels. And I'm like, well, that's because you're the only one that doesn't need one. Like you own the company. And so everybody else is trying to figure out where they sit. And so I'm not saying that they're good or bad. I'm saying that we need to understand the complexity around them. Right. And, and they, and they change people as well. You know, oftentimes you'll have somebody that's a great leader that has no title and then they're given yes. the title and they become something that you, you didn't necessarily want in that position. They're trying to formulate what a leader means to them when they already had it before. Well, and they'll bring a lot of false assumptions. I mean, they'll be like, the, oh, well, I deserve to act this way because I now have this title. And it's like, no, actually, you're just a jerk now. Um, and so <laughs> it's, but it's so true. I mean, we've seen people get so caught up in their own fabulousness that when you hand them that title, they don't know what to do with their false assumption around that level of authority. Um, you know, again, if you look at some of the most brilliant leaders, Ken Blanchard for one of them, um, Jack Welch, yes, they had moments where they had to pull authority. Yes, they had moments where they had to say the buck stops here and I'm going to make this decision. But most of them were acting like servants for their followers. They were the ones that were still willing to take out the trash, unload the dishwasher, sit at a meeting, make somebody else feel special, because that's what leadership is about. It's not about saying, well, now I get to take the private you know, jet to my private island. So you have a lot of people that think, oh, well, once I get this title, then I can act such, a, such in a certain way or in such a manner. And you don't want that to be what you're striving for. There's got to be a more heartfelt purpose to to the wanting the title in the first place. I'd love to hear your, your tips or your advice for anybody that's listening right now that's in a leadership position. You know, a couple things that you think are a must if you're going to be in the top of that pyramid or leading a company or leading your employees or even being a teacher in a classroom who's still a leader to the, to the youth. What are some things that you, that you think are a must that you must have? Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of times, again, the false story is that if I'm going to be 
a great leader, I have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. Like people have paid me for years to quote unquote have the answers. I got my promotions because I had the answers. And now that I'm in this leadership position, I still have to have the answers. That's actually a false story around leadership. What we've noticed um, in working with leaders around the globe is that the strongest leaders are the ones that come with one or two really insightful or provocative questions that will challenge the thinking of the group that they lead. So my my advice to emerging leaders and seasoned leaders is the next time you walk into a critical conversation, stress less about having answers and come prepared with one or two more challenging, more thought-provoking, more provocative questions to challenge the thinking of the people in the room. Wow, very interesting. Then that's true. I guess the innovators... And they are. And and what happens is then you start to control the dialogue and you aren't responsible for solving it. You're guiding the facilitation of all the expertise in the room. And so that would be tip number two is make sure that you're really and truly rarely the smartest person in the room. Have, Have enough confidence in yourself to say, hey, I'm the leader, which means it's my job to facilitate a solution. It's my job to facilitate the problem solving, but I might need three or four different domain expertise in the room. And I just have to make sure that we get their intelligence to help us solve this problem. And so, you know, if you look around the room and you say, okay, they've got an area of expertise and they've got a different area of expertise, but I was the one that was smart enough to bring them all into the room and facilitate this conversation. That's true leadership. Hmm. And we always think it's the opposite. We think it's the one, like, as you just mentioned, the one that's providing all of the answers. It's not always the case. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't have a brilliant idea. Right. I love a leader with a brilliant (laughs) idea. I'm just saying that if you put that kind of pressure on yourself on a daily basis, it will backfire on you. If you build a better habit of making sure that you're the one that's facilitating richer dialogue, better problem solving, getting the right people in the room, you know, that's brilliant leadership every single day. I agree with that. And, and in addition, um, building up the team, I always find that a great leader is somebody that I guess is preparing for their exit. Like they're able to build their team so that if one day they're moving on, the company can still function without them. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that we're in a world today where if we look around, there is so much abundance of opportunity that if we have the mindset of, look, I'm helping somebody else. That doesn't mean they're going to take my job or take my place. There's nobody else that's me. I have a unique series and sets of gifts that I can offer this world. There's nothing but good for me um, when I help somebody else. Hmm. I'm going to flip the table just a little bit, um, you know, in, in hearing you talk about leadership and we could talk about this for days, you know, what do you do if you are somebody that's not necessarily in a leadership position, meaning not having the title, um, and maybe the person that is in that role is, you know, you know, lacking that leadership quality. They're lacking the, you know, the comfort with the, with the company and the warmth and, you know, nurturing their employees as an employee that has a leader like that. How do I maintain positive? How do I maintain excited about my job and how do I bring out my leadership skills in, in a situation like that? Well, I think the first thing that you do is you go back to the core principle and that is that you're setting other people up for success. We'll start modeling that by supporting your boss and making him or her look better. So 
it's, it would be no different than if, you know, if Nettie, you're my boss and, and I walk into a meeting and I feel like we're missing one of the fundamental questions, then I'll say, hey, you know, one of the things that I think we would want to explore is maybe this question and here's some of my initial thoughts and you don't have to get credit for it. Mm. You just have to help that person be successful. Mm. And a lot of and t- that's go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that's part of, you know, again, being willing to step back and say, okay, look, this is the person who's supposed to know all this, but rather than letting them be a train wreck, my job is going to make them successful. And that eventually does come back. It really does come back to serve you well. Why do you think that, um, people have a hard time with that? Is it, is it the ego that gets in the way initially, you know, the, the, cause usually as humans, we have the opposite reaction. We have, Oh my gosh, they're the CEO. They're the leader. Why don't they know this? They should have this down. Or, you know, there's always that kind of that negative spin to it opposed to, okay, how can I help them out and make their job better? And for the, for the big picture of the company, is it an ego thing? Is it a jealousy thing? What do you find? Well, I find that you have to get really clear on your moral compass. So my first response is, if you have a leader that's doing something egregious um, and it's not aligned with your core values, then you have to be willing to walk away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm a testimony of that. I actually quit my highest paying job ever. A lot of people thought I was nuts, but I thought, well, there's no way that I can live with myself if I stay here for all of the wrong reasons. And so if, you, if you're in that situation, then you need to take a hard look at yourself as to what you stand for and what do you want to be known for. If it's not egregious, if it's just they didn't get the skills, they don't have the aptitude, or they're just a little, what I like to say, clue-free, then I think that you have to look at yourself and say, well, what if roles were reversed? How would I want my people to respond? You know, well, I, I'd want them to help me because leaders don't know everything about everything. So maybe it's one of those things where you're going to step, step out and you're going to say, Hey, look, I'm willing to help you on this because that's the manifestation of your own character. Mm. Amy K just out of curiosity, do you have a pet peeve when it comes to leadership? Something that you've seen a leader that just kind of gets under your skin? Yeah, it's, it's being dismissive. Um, I, I, I'm never a fan of, of the arrogant, dismissive leader that because they've arrived, you know, they treat what, what, for lack of a better example, you know, the person who answers the phones or the, the greeter in the hallway with disrespect or rudeness. I, it's a total turnoff. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us. And I love all the information. I'd love to have you back, um, but I'd love to jump into our power section. Can, yeah. you, can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us? The most recent book that's had the biggest impact for me is a book called The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. And it is irreverent and beautifully written. And one of the reasons that I'm bringing it today is because very few books actually transform your life. Like a lot of them will give you that nugget, that gem, a different way to look at the world, her book actually gave me an entirely different playbook, um, and it helped me enormously, and both personally and professionally in a time of transition. And you haven't, if you haven't checked out the Desire Map, I highly encourage it. Wonderful. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of? Well, you know, this is going to again be a little bit revealing of, of how I operate. I've done a lot of things professionally, and my first response would be my relationship with my nieces and my nephew. I'm very proud of being the cool aunt. Mm, that's a great accomplishment, though, and it's not easy. 
It's not, especially when they're 14. Yeah. Um, Amy K, are there any routines that you have in your life that help you get a positive rise? Maybe something that you do every morning, a daily ritual? I'm a big believer in focusing on your energy, and I don't mean that woo-woo. Um, I, I really mean that in, in a world of 24 hours, nobody's getting more or less time. So for me, it's always been that energy is the fundamental currency of high performers, not time. And so I I look at things weekly, and that maybe that's, that's a cop-out, but I do like a little bit of uh, reality that, you know, there's some days that go by, and because I travel and I live on the road, I don't always get to fit everything in. And I feel less guilt when I say, well, these are my weekly goals, not my daily goals. But I'm very much a big believer in um, physical exercise. You know, even if it's just walking for 20 minutes, I think that's really good for for our physical energy. And I'm also a big believer in journaling. You know, Mm -hmm. just, just taking, again, 20 minutes to reflect, evaluate, and predict so that you're more conscious in the decision making, you know, the following week. Mm. And is there anything we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to say or share with our audience? Maybe like one piece of golden nugget. Leadership is a learning curve. It is not ever someplace where you arrive and go, oh, I'm here. I finally made it. Leadership is this day-to-day constant evolution of who you are, how you can play at your best and how you can get the best out of others. And it's just a never ending, exciting adventure. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. How do we stay connected to you and how do we support you if we want more information? We have tons of free resources, tools, videos at amyk, which is amyk.com. And that's the easiest place to check check us out and join our community. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining us on the Rise Up For You podcast today. Thanks, Matt. Well, that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us today here at the Rise Up For You podcast. Please don't forget to visit our website at www.riseupforyou.com. We have a ton of free resources just for you, webinars, articles, a ton of podcasts, toolkits, and workbooks just to help you get to the next step professionally and personally. We are empowering women globally, and we want you to live your best life. Also, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, anywhere there's social media, Rise Up For You is there at Rise Up For You. We look forward to having you join us next time. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.